Reading from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 21 through 25. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world, but lose or forfeit themselves? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow your heads for a moment of quiet prayer and preparation? Amen. When I entered the ministry, my father gave me a very special, precious gift. It was a gift that he had received early in his ministry. It was a cross, a silver cross given to him by a very old military chaplain. It came from a chaplain's kit, a military chaplain's kit. The history of this cross that I was given indicated that it was first used in the First World War in the mud and muck of the trenches in France. There it heard the rolling barrage thunder. There it saw the death of the flower of a generation. And there in a dugout on a crude altar, the cross witnessed the sacrament of Holy Communion being prepared and shared. And the cross heard the encouraging word of God proclaimed. This cross, I am told, was passed to another chaplain. And in the Second World War, it found service in the steaming jungles of a Pacific island. There it witnessed the brutality and the horror that only a war can birth. From a palm frond altar, the elements of the sacrament of Holy Communion were offered and shared. And there the cross heard the word of God, the gracious word of God proclaimed. This cross was carried by a chaplain during a frozen winter on the Korean Peninsula during the Korean conflict. We called it a police action back then, but it witnessed numbing brutality and incredible destruction. This cross graced an altar made of bomb rubble and shattered wood in a burned out chapel, not close, or very close to the front. And there it witnessed the sacrament of Holy Communion prayerfully prepared 
and shared and heard the word of God proclaimed, the loving word of God. This cross also found its way to a VA hospital during the Vietnam conflict. There, bedside, in a ward filled with wounded warriors, this cross witnessed these men as they gathered as the church to share in the sacrament of Holy Communion and to witness to the word, the healing word of God proclaimed. And lately, in a manner that really is inconceivable or would have been inconceivable in 1917 or 1944 or 1950 or even 1966, this cross has been at the center of our home altar and has been at the heart of the worship that we have shared as an extended body of Christ. The church creatively gathered, heard in the presence of this cross, the sacrament of Holy Communion prepared and the word, the eternal, transforming, empowering, inviting word of God proclaimed. Today, in the midst of a pandemic world, the cross, this cross, which has witnessed so much of our past that is devastating and tragic and painful and frightening, this cross has a word for us. The cross of Easter is not about climactic endings. It is about dramatic beginnings. It is here, it is here and now at the beginning where we begin our journey into tomorrow, when we lift this cross up, it is saying to us, he isn't here anymore. He's out there. You remember, you remember what the angel said at the tomb? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's out there. He's going before you to Galilee. And you know what happened in Galilee, don't you? The commission was given, and you and I and all of us who claim Christ as Master, as Lord, are commissioned to go into the world to be his witnesses and the witnesses to the gospel that he proclaimed to the ends of the earth. In other words, the cross is the herald of a new life journey for us. Now, in a very real sense, the coronavirus pandemic has become a, a hinge of history. Someone has hit the pause button, and the future we had anticipated is suddenly before us as a blank page. Whatever the past held, whatever it was to us for good or ill, 
we will never go back to it as it was. We, we must pray that we have learned well the lessons from our failures in the past and we must pray that those sacred moments when life seems so full and so exciting and so meaningful, so endowed with purpose, so filled with dreams that we would always want to return to, that we yearn for, Oh, let us pray that all of that serves as a foundation for our future, but we will never return to any of that as it once was. Just think of the images that we have witnessed for the last, what, since January. Some good, some not so good. I think of vast office buildings in cities large and small that stand empty because people and businesses, at least in some arenas of our economy and life, have discovered and are perfecting how to work from home. Cheaper than paying the rent. And it also begs the question of how does this new reality impact the creative juices that start to flow when you get into interpersonal contact face to face? Well, think of the images of the straining of social and medical services in areas both urban and rural. Think of the images of refrigerator trucks serving as temporary morgues. Think of the images of streets and highways absolutely devoid of automobile traffic. <laughs> and think of the image of Los Angeles free of smog and people breathing more easily. Oh, we've seen disturbing images, I think. Uh, the frightening image of a heavily armed citizen with an AR-15 draped across his chest and handguns sticking out of his belt, promoting a brand of personal freedom that ignores public health and the common good. Is this the permanent image of our future? When we gather again here in this sanctuary Will we all be wearing masks? I brought mine down with me today. It's technicolor, it's exciting, it's bright, but you know, will I have to wear it? Will we mark off every other pew and then stagger the distances in the pews where we sit? Or What's our future? What we do know is that the coronavirus pandemic is clearly a crisis we cannot ignore, and more importantly, it is a crisis we dare not waste. The pandemic with crystal clarity has clearly revealed the social and economic and ethnic divisions of our nation, and they are deep. It has also revealed to us that it is absolutely unacceptable 
to have those kinds of deep divisions among a people who pride themselves on valuing compassion and human dignity and justice and equality of faith, equality of opportunity and faith. We live in a nation where many of us like to claim the importance of a Christ-like life. And on Memorial Day Sunday, the question is thus begged, is the dramatically exposed inequality and injustice and hostility and deprivation that we experience in our society, is that what those men and women who are buried at Omaha Beach and at the Punch Bowl in Hawaii, at Arlington National Cemetery, is that what they died for? Of course not. Of course not. What does the cross say? In her valedictory address to the graduating seniors at Duke Divinity School, Professor Sujin Peck spoke of the cross in these words. The cross is not the end of the road. The cross is the journey itself. We walk the way of the cross and follow Christ. The cross is about God's call for a way of being in the world. It is a way of being that defies the vices of pride, greed, covetousness, violence, and self-indulgence. In their stead, it is a way that glories in humility, generosity, peace, love that authentically desires the good of others, and joy that genuinely celebrates another's good fortune. It is indeed a transformative, radical way of being in the world. It is a way of being that if we live true to it, sets us apart as we are all called in a holy priesthood, as people of radical love, radical justice, radical peace, and the gentleness and humility to hold all of this together simultaneously. The cross calls us to a way of being in the world. This is a unique and, to borrow a word, novel time for people of faith. It is, it is intensely personal, really. Let no one believe that we will not have to make sacrifices greater than those we made and have made during this pandemic lockdown. If we are to follow the way of the cross, our hands will get dirty as we unite in new forms and new expressions of community and cooperation to eliminate the scourge of disease, the menace of pandemic, the, the sin of racism, the evil of self-absorption. Friends, there will be no wishing away of the hopelessness 
among those whose lives have been lacerated by the plague of poverty. The, the cross is calling each of us to be co-creators with God in the building of God's future here on earth. The blank page is before us. And, and we know the charge that Christ laid on us. The two great commandments, the whole of the gospel in two phrases. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's worship. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's service. The writer, philosopher, theologian, G.K. Chesterton once cried, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. A true love, when you really love someone, requires hard and focused work. And the cross is simply calling us to a new love affair with life. We've already seen hints of this sacrificial future in the response of first responders and in volunteers and food banks and in uh, individuals who are homebound we've yet found creative ways to manufacture PPE materials and items. And we, we've seen churches and organizations reaching beyond themselves and their immediate communities to provide for help around the world. And let me just hit my own pause button here and say, as important as gathering in this place may be, the essential work of the church takes place out there. What's essential is out there. That's where Jesus is. That's what the Gospels tell us. In the midst of this, this rising concern for others, in the midst of these hints of concern for a new kind of world being born. Somewhere in there I hear the voices of Marian Anderson and Mahalia Jackson singing in the background, he's got the whole world in his hands. The spirit being born is a mark of the best that's within us. Inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus, guided by prayer, sustained by the Holy Spirit, we are called to partner with God and a journey into a new future. In the midst of a transition from a past that will never come again and a future that is just now being opened before us, the cross calls us to be a vibrant, daring, bold community of faith that embraces humility and joy and thanksgiving and concern and care for the other. A community that rejects greed and pride and covetousness and violence and self-indulgence and arrogance. A community that rejoices in the love of God and the love of neighbor. As we face tomorrow, this cross is saying to us, 
no matter the difficulties, no matter the challenges, no matter the trials, no matter the momentary failures, the truth is the battle has already been won. It's already been won. Back there on Calvary, the battle was joined. And this cross is saying, death could not hold him. Jesus is out there, out there, inviting you to join him. We are not observers. We are participants with God in the future that God is preparing for us. We are partners in the creation that God is making possible. I want to suggest that journeys are sometimes anxiety producing, but there are two final words from the cross. Fear not, fear not, fear not. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.